Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Because I'm staying with Dave. His is a nice toy hauler. You saw it. Yeah. But it's probably one of the cheapest ones in here. They're all like... Prevost buses and like sick rigs in here. <laughs> Jeez, what part of the country are you in right now? Uh, Mississippi? No, no, Louisiana. Louisiana. We're in, no, we're in Biloxi. We're in Biloxi, Mississippi that's, right now. That's that's what I was gonna ask, man. I was like, he said he's at the casino. Yeah, man, I spent a lot of time Biloxi, down casino, there. Just lost a hundred bucks. That sucks. Nah, man, that's what I planned on doing. It was a entertainment money we just played until we lost it and we just saw who could last the longest he lasted longer than me so whatever every four years i might throw a hundred bucks at it just to remember why i don't gamble <laughs> <laughs> i got you well we got jobs man where you at i'm at the house in uh kennedy alabama i mean we're in the same uh time zone i didn't even think to ask you that i figured y'all would have been heading back to colorado I like your method of timekeeping, though. Like, I'll call you an hour before so you can get your shit together. Yeah. And I'll, I'll call you. And that's it. And that's that's the way my life works, man. It's last minute Larry. Yeah, they're just, uh, just all learning, right? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's how you get opportunities, too. If you don't book everything in advance and you leave it all open. Maybe, maybe you booked the first night in a hostel or something, but I mean, I like to just kind of figure it out on the way and you, people are like, oh, I, I think, you know, this is a good thing or, you know, maybe you can come over here or whatever. Right. Usually the opportunities will present themselves, but if you're already booked for a week, you can't just side venture to go and hang out with this, you know, guy or girl or a bunch of people that happen to be. Case in point, I just went to Cozumel with my buddy, and we booked an Airbnb, and then somebody on Facebook texted me like, oh, I'm in Cancun, stop by, you know, and I was like, yeah, man, let's stop by to my, to the guy I was with, he was not down, he was just like, no, we gotta, we gotta go check in, and I'm like, oh, I hate doing this. Yeah. But when you travel with other people, a lot of times you have to plan ahead a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah, man, totally. Uh, sound level is good. If you're ready to get started, I am. Yeah. I'm 
Welcome you right. to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan, and tonight I'm burning the phone lines with R.J. Williams. We met over the weekend in Corinth. We were both vendors. We were selling different wares, and um, well, we met over a smoke break or something. The smoking section, he said to me. That's it. Because I was just trying to get a little vitamin D in my life because I had a booth inside the venue. Yeah, we were. Outside, and here's these guys with their with their van, with their pop up, and they're selling man peak stuff, and <laughs> they got beer game, super deep beer game on these guys, and and uh, yeah, so we we chopped it up a little bit over a smoke, and and I'm I'm a Colorado guy, so you know we got down on a little God's green earth because there's uh, medicine. Rotate. To that. There's 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 healing. <laughs> I believe in so it. So we had a we had a managerial meeting. Yeah. And then uh, you know, one thing led to another, so here we are. Yeah, man. And so um, you know, as as we were and I watched you and um Oh Dave. I'm blanking, Dave. I got to see both of y'all sales pitches in there and it's man, I was like and Did that was that, and that was the comment that you know that other vendors were saying, uh, like to us, is if you get a chance, go in there and watch the guy selling the Swiffer, and the guy selling the Euro Whip. If you want to learn anything about selling something, they can do a they can do a demonstration, and just immediately sell these guys. Well, that's a pretty awesome compliment coming third hand, you know, through another vendor. That's definitely, uh, that's awesome, man. I mean, I've been doing this 15 years, but I mean, I was, I was raised by my mom. My dad was, was not there. So she was a real, uh, salesperson. She was just a survivor. And so she would teach me just by being around her, how to get what you, how to manipulate people. And so here's the dichotomy. You think, and and the reason why I haven't really sold my sales training, because I've always struggled with, am I teaching people how to rip somebody off and take (laughs) advantage of someone else? Yeah. And so I have been very hesitant to to teach people to do what I do. But uh, the last couple of years, I have come to this conclusion. Sales, okay, let's back up. In making facial expressions and hand gestures and smiles and intonation fluctuations, you're putting in effort that you would not put in if there were no people around, correct? Absolutely. So if I'm doing this as a service to someone else, my goal in that activity is to make them feel more comfortable and to like me. Correct? That's how, I mean, that's how we get ourselves. So that's what we do in life. We are acting. We, if you meet someone who is way more educated than you and they talk in jargon, you're going to feel left out. Yeah. So uh, an emotionally intelligent person, a person with a high EQ, will recognize where you're at and come to you and be kindred with you. And that sales is is establishing that rapport and saying, "Hey, I'm a human being, and you're a human being. We both we both take shits. We both pull our pants up the same way every morning. That's right. I don't care if you're the president or if you're homeless. Like we're all human mm-hmm. beings. That's sales. And so I've come to the conclusion that 
you know, it's okay to teach other people how to do this if they don't have it born into them. Because let's face it, there's some born innate salespeople and there's some people that need to be taught. But anybody can do it. It's just a matter of learning the responses to, you know, different people's needs. So if I'm making someone more comfortable and then educating them about some product that I feel is in their best interests, if I can put it succinctly and make it make sense so that they get into that product for 20 bucks, then I think that's a good thing. Yeah. As long as you're not using this power for evil and trying to get over on people and and not do what you say you're going to do and lie. Yeah. Because a lot of sales people lie and that's why we got a bad rap. Yeah. Yeah. But realistically, if you can find a good product that's good quality and it is good for people, you're just basically showing them to the light. It's like a missionary, you know, they're showing people to the way to heaven. And, uh, you know, just kind of an analogy, like you're, you're leading people to something that's good. Yeah. I mean, with, so I'm with, a missionary for, I'm a missionary for the Euro whip. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. Just to, just to hit a level with that is, uh, you know, we sell these beard oils and bombs. That's, I mean, we make this stuff and, uh, I mean, we do, uh, soaps, candles, and we have other wares that we sell, but you know, a lot of these guys, they'll be like young teenagers and they'll ask Hey, I've heard that these oils and bombs will promote beard growth, and I was like, I don't sell miracles, Bubba. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna hit a level with you. If you have a beard, it'll help you. If you don't, it ain't gonna help you there. Yeah, people ask me if it'll work with almond milk, and it really only works with cow's milk. I'm not telling no, and I could just say yes. They're never gonna see me again, and most likely they're not gonna call into the warranty because I lied to them. But I'm not gonna lie to them because it ain't worth me coming back as a pig next time. Mm-hmm. You get twenty bucks. It's right. just not. Right. Sorry. I believe in reincarnation. I believe in karma. I also believe that the the American dream is real, and you don't need it. That yeah. That right there, dude. That right there. Yeah. That is what I had in my mind when you agreed to come on the show. That was what I wanted to name it. Was uh, R. J. Williams on the American Dream because you caught me out there. In the van, just eating a bag of Doritos, and you just like, what are you doing, man? The American dream is real. You out there eating Cheetos? <laughs> and I was like, he's right. We're living it, man. Yeah. How many people did you know that you went to college with are slaving away 24-7 on their iPhones, being a lawyer, or being a, a insurance claims agent, or being... Something looked up to, or like a dent. I got a friend who's a dentist. I mean, they slave away nine to five. The government takes forty percent of their shit. No, you know, discounts. No write-offs. No small business stuff that we can do. I mean, they're slaving away, and and I thank God for them because when I look around this world, I see a hundred million things that I have no idea how they work. But I appreciate the benefits of the technology, whether it's medical or me driving a diesel truck across the country at 100 miles an hour with a trail behind, trailer behind me. Uh-huh. That is just fantastic. Yeah, and man. If I was transported 300 years in the past, I probably wouldn't be able to tell them how this shit works or help them in any way to get to where we're at. <laughs> yeah. And I feel bad about that. Medically, I know nothing. Yeah. You know, mechanical engineering, I, I'm a salesman. I do one thing and I do it well, but I think that's probably 
the most important thing to take away is in life, you have to focus. If you're the jack of one thing and everything else is, you just pick something and stick with it. People that switch too much, even if it's boring, just stick with it and get really good at it and make money with that thing and get it tightened down so much that you can just, you know, fly for like my business. I work three months out of the year. The rest of the time I fuck off. Yeah, we were talking about that. So, man, let's start here, man. Tell me a little bit about where you're, where you were born and raised, and man, what was life like then? I was born in Rochester, New York, in the inner city. Uh, my neighbors were all pretty much minorities or really poor. I didn't know it, but we—I thought we were rich compared to my neighbors. I went around as a little child with a penny jar, offering them money, and it actually offended some of the black families around, you know, because my friends were Jamal and and this kid Ben that uh, couldn't control his bowels so he's just running around just pooping his pants all the time yeah <laughs> and uh, I had okay so I was a very sickly child I had lactose intolerance I had allergies I had pre-diabetes I uh, had asthma but I already mentioned that one mm-hmm. and so I had to have allergy shots every week one in each arm I had asthma attacks all the time I, I was not athletic I was deaf until I was three years old, <clears throat> and it was one of those mom saw that I wasn't screaming at the at the parade when the fire truck went by type of deals, and, and they wondered why I was speaking gibberish. So I got my ears fixed when I was three, and then I started to learn how to talk. And yeah. So I was a little bit delayed. My father was, was uh, okay, so my mom was... was a young Catholic schoolgirl dying to get out of the house. They wouldn't let her go to college. The only way out of the house was to get married, and she wanted to get the hell out of there because they were so domineering. First generation Italians, you know, just real strict. And she married my dad, who was a fun party guy, recording studio artist. He rubbed elbows with celebrities and recorded these guys, whatever. Um, he was fun. He brought her to party. He brought her to the Emmys, this, that, you know, like big stuff. Yeah. And his, his family's just millionaires and admiral and brain surgeons and really, really good, you know, genetics there. Uh, so they, they got together. He was probably 18. She was 16. Parents consented. They got married early. He was the knight in shining armor, super fun, super dapper. But then when they got married, he turned into this total hypocrite he turned into a mean abusive scary southern baptist like just total hypocrisy and scary shit yeah the first eight years of my life was was traumatic and scary and beatings and and just weird you know southern baptist anyway cultish stuff and then and then we got the hell out of there they split up and my mom made up for it the next 10 years of my life until i went away to college it was you can do whatever you want. Nothing can stop you. You're the best. Whatever. I always was encouraged. And my mom was a private investigator. She was a super savvy lady. Yeah. She was one of those. She'd be on the phone with somebody from church. She'd be like, oh, hi, Sally. And then she'd be like, you fat. You know, and, and then just back and forth like she could really act. So I, I grew up around her. And then we moved probably seven times. Uh, I was a real klepto when i was a child it was born in me i don't know why i remember when i was crawling i was stealing my cousin's toys and sticking them in my gosh gosh, gosh 
you know, pockets yeah. that early. And it, it took me going to jail in order to learn my lesson. Uh, but I was shooting for, I wanted to be the president of the United States of America, go to the, go to the Air Force Academy and by gosh, I did it. Uh, I, I came first in my class. I ended up going to the Air Force Academy, but then. Are you still in Rochester finally, at this time? No, uh, I, I moved from Rochester out to Colorado to go to the Air Force Academy. So I'm in oh. Colorado, 18 years old. I went there, brightest and the best. I had an amazing future ahead of me. I was on track, political science, to be the president. I want, that's what I wanted to do. My mom told me I could do anything, and I believed it. So then I, uh, I, I stole when I was there, mm-hmm. and it just, I don't know, something turned me on about it. It made me feel powerful and it wasn't like i needed it everything was taken care of i just i just wanted to get over i don't know why but uh i had i I made some mistakes there and i i they ended up court-martialing me and throwing me in in like leavenworth Uh, it was another prison but same same deal military prison almost a year Mm. came out of there like oh my god i am a you know, my, this is a t- then I had to be on parole for a, a year, and and so then I'm released on the world. Yeah, I, I went into there 155 pounds. I came out 225, monster, and I hadn't seen myself in seven months. So I looked in the mirror when I got to the airport. They dropped me off at, and I was like, "Oh my god, wow, this is awesome!" That was huge and smart. I got an education in there. Came out. Working at a restaurant, working in an oil change shop, trying to do little shit. Yeah. And I still hadn't learned my lesson, so I stole change at this oil change shop out of the ashtrays just to make a couple extra bucks. Got fired from my parole job. I should have gone back to prison, but I got this little modeling job, and I said I switched my job, and they believed it, whatever. So I wasn't making much money, but I was getting gigs at this modeling joint. So like with and that's the with I the got into sales. So with the modeling, I mean, so like right when you got out and you saw yourself in the mirror, I mean, you immediately went to the size you are now. Like you got you got back in shape, or? Well, right now I'm I'm probably about as skinny as I, I have been in in 20 years because my shoulders been bothering me. I haven't been able to work out, but now at that point I was 20 years old and I was huge, probably another 60 pounds what I am right now, and just really like prison buff you know big i came out and i was just still working out and enjoying it and single and like uh you know bad boy rep and just enjoying the party life but i couldn't because i was on parole so it was like i had to kind of behave myself until i got off officially but everybody's wanting to party with me and girls and sex drugs and rock and roll was tempting me shakarit was right there yeah so got off parole by the skin of my teeth and one of my modeling gigs was actually a sales thing. She flew me to California to do this fair, and I just crushed it. I've been making a little money modeling, but 20 bucks an hour ain't nothing compared to a weekend in our industry. You know, on a good weekend, we can make pull in some cash. Yeah, uh, yeah, dude, that's totally. I mean, you can see the, the American dream unfold in and of itself over a weekend with what we do. Yeah, and if you got the gift of gab and you enjoy chatting with people, it's just having a conversation all day. That's all you got to do. I mean, it goes back to what you said earlier, right? Is like, 
it's it's about building that relationship and while we're talking and conversing i'm throwing in a sales pitch to where you're not going to feel so bad about buying this right you don't even know you're being pitched because we're just talking to you like we're just neighbors and you know standing in the driveway looking at a transmission talking about shit that's how i pitch people yeah Uh, conversationally not not one of my pitches over 15 years has been the exact same wording as any other pitch i will say that i'm not a scripted dude oh i'm not either dude Uh, i tried to sell beard oil to santa claus uh, (laughs) over the weekend and by the way he is gonna get a bag of coal oh is he yeah he's he's bad boy (laughs) (laughs) i'd probably be i'd probably be mad too man to be in you know, to wear all that, as hot yeah, as it was hot. Sunday. It was a beautiful day. That guy was sweating his old-ass fanny off. That's right. <laughs> but anyway, back but yeah, back, man, back uh, to you. Back to you. <laughs> that's kind of crazy talking about myself. Honestly, I you know, uh, I, I try to be an intelligent conversationalist. And the way I usually operate is when I'm trying to endear myself to someone i ask them about themselves yeah come on with it yeah come on everyone's everyone's favorite subject is themselves and if i ask people about themselves that's they care about me and 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 they'll raise the esteem of someone else because they're interested and so i always try to do that have a have a good even exchange yeah and i saw you guys out there and y'all are more unique than my situation. I mean, you guys got uh, a total niche. Mine's weird. Yours is weird. But, uh, you know, you guys definitely have a little extra. Yeah, a little, little extra sauce. A little extra on, on, on the weird sauce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So how's, how did you get into your situation? I mean, With you, that? how did you meet the, your, your partner there? And, and how did you guys start your business? Well, man, I am... Um... I met him through doing this podcast. Um, really? Yeah, so when I started this podcast, I moved back from uh, Mobile, Alabama, not far from where you are now. That's where I, yeah. I'm working there this weekend. And um, I had lived down there for six years, and then I went to school at the University of Mobile. And I got the degree there, and uh, I got married. And I was beginning to work on my master's at... N-O-B-T-S, so when you say Southern Baptist, I understand what you mean. I'm a recovering mm. Southern Baptist. Cultish, yeah. Um, the backlash. So, yeah. Bitch. So, um, back home where I am Not now. Not to say that their beliefs aren't, aren't legit. Jesus was the guy, and he was a good guy, and it's just people twist things too far. They take things too far. They take a good thing, and they twist it bad, you know. I'll say that, yeah. I, I'm with you there. Um, All the religions, I think, are good. Just let's not just exclude all the other religions. Like everything is the same path to to self realization. You know, whichever way you need to get there is fine. But you don't need to be hating on everybody else's way. I'm with that. I can I can anyway, respect that. But, uh, that's a good bunny trail. But back back to the main course. Yeah, and uh. Back home in Kennedy, where I am now, uh, I had just lost my grandfather a little over a year before, and he was the guy that raised me. Uh, my parents went through a divorce when I was like 11, but they split when we were like 13, and I got an older brother. He's a year and a half older than me, but um, 
And so we ended up just living with them all throughout high school until I would go to college. And uh, so my hero, the guy that raised me, had passed. And my grandmother was sick. And my dad had just had a stroke. And I was going through a divorce. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back home and help take care of the family. And I'm going to find my healing. I think I, I think I need to just get back to the roots. Mm-hmm. And a podcast was born, and that's what we're doing now. And that's how What's I met it called? It, Porch Talk. Porch Talk. Yeah, because, and the the root of it, why it's called that, is how it started. Was when I moved back here, I um, I would just be sitting on a porch with a buddy that I hadn't seen in you know maybe a decade. And, mm-hmm. you know, a, gu- a guitar would come out and be like, dude, I just did this. Okay. and um, guitar? Uh, I do, and my buddies do. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm a singer, so we need to get, we need to jam a little. Next time we get together, for sure. Uh, I like someone to just play, and I like to just sing what's on my heart, like kind of blues style. Oh, I can, I can, uh, I can help you out there. Yeah, and just go and, and have a fun little jam. Mm-hmm. So I, I've done that in probably four or five different countries thailand uh israel uh, um what the hell is that one right next to greece uh starts with an a it's a little north of greece uh across across from italy it's really really it's in the balkans uh anyway like some balkan country i did it like really arabic um muslim uh and then South America, uh, a bunch of different places I've sang. I've done in a... Bangkok, I was in like a little 80s band, kind of cover band. <laughs> That's cool, man. I've been dabbling in music throughout my life. Cool, man. Yeah, I've played, um, I played in Guatemala quite a bit. I played in El Salvador, and I played really? in uh, Chile. Habla de Espanol? Uh, dude, it is so weak now. And plus, you got that southern accent, which is confusing to all people. Oh, it's, it, it is it is the absolute worst, brother. Um, it is. Cause, my, I mean, Chinese people, my Chinese manufacturing company is like, yeah, we, we can understand English, except the people from Texas. They're really, they, I don't understand what they, yeah. they're not even Oh, I'm bad. telling you, it's like, uh, you know, you just hablo espanol, and then I'm, I'll be over here like, hablo espanol? Yeah. Like, and, oh, and, there's a twang on it. <laughs> twang on it. I bought a Espanol. Uh-huh. You put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah. So, um, you guys have been podcasting for how many years? This show is, uh, two years old, but this is how I met Munson. Uh, that's that's Ryan Munson's company, and some people started reaching out to me as like who they thought would be good for the show, and his name came up, and I looked him up and reached out to him, and after I had him on the podcast, I told him, I want to be a part of what you do because I believe in it, and uh, it's been on ever since, and now I get to be so the road dog. Just kind of find interesting people throughout your lives and interview them. And, yeah. And, and that's the deal. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> and 
I like it, man. And I'll tell you what, throughout my travels, like every once in a while, you just, you know, for 99% of the backpacking trail around planet Earth is pretty well paved and, and, and easy to traverse if you got a, a smartphone and a couple bucks in your pocket. And it makes it real easy and it makes it real generic, just like going to Disney World. <laughs> it's not it's not challenging. It's not dangerous. It's not exhilarating. It's not foreign. It's all very... Yeah easy and getting to places that it's a little bit difficult or foreign or hard is the challenge these days so i'll tell you what they... you just have to cripple yourself on purpose yeah yeah man i'll tell you this is like back to that spanish just for a second was uh this was when i was a little bit more um i had spanish as a minor at university of mobile which we all know a minor doesn't mean anything but <laughs> but I did finish the course, but um we had um we were it was a mission trip. It was a Southern Baptist mission trip in uh Guatemala and uh the guy that was driving the truck decided to tie the tent up. Like he put the tent in the bed of the truck and then it was pointing up toward the cab. And it caught a low hanging power line and it swapped back and it hit a van behind Ooh. us. And the driver the driver looked over at me and he said, uh, Showtime, you said you speak Spanish, right? And I was like, Brother, I'm about to do my best and that guy got out talking a, he got he got out talking a hundred miles an hour and Yeah, he did. And you know, he's upset, he's mad and of I would I and I would be too and then he gets out and he sees a bunch of gringos and they're like yeah. uh uh slow Mike. slow down. <laughs> And uh, I finally get to understanding a little bit about what he's saying because he, he just kept repeating himself. And I was like, okay, okay. Well, you know that word, yeah. slow down, right? Yeah. Slowly? Yeah. Because it's the most popular song on the planet. <laughs> What's that? Despacito. That's it? It's actually despacio is, is slowly. So if you want to say more slowly, you say mas despacio, por favor. More there slowly, you go. Please. Yeah. And so, finally figured out what he was saying, and and it just so happened that we were at our drive to where we would turn to go up back to the mission house. And I told him, I was like, um, in my broken Spanish, is, um, follow us, and we'll take care of you. Yeah. And so he did, and then I was like, took him right to my translator, and I was like, we got an issue, here we go. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, turns out he was like, uh, you can pay me off or we can go to Guatemala City and take care of this with the insurance. Mm-hmm. And we all opted, how much does he want? Because I don't want to spend all day in Guatemala City. <laughs> so what did the total end up being? It wasn't bad. Like, I think American, it was like three. Bucks? I think American, it was like, yeah, I think it was like 250. Okay. Yeah, that's a little chunk, but that's that's all right. If it was your fault, that's that's legit. And I'm sure that was paying him too. Yeah, that's all right. I let people make their money. If I'm making money in life, which I am, and I feel like I'm almost cheating, it's it's so easy to do what we do sometimes. Uh, I just I don't mind paying full price. I don't mind tipping people. I mean tonight. Like at the gambling, you know, I, I knew I was going to lose that hundred bucks, so I just try to tip really extravagantly along the way because that's about the only mm-hmm. thing I'm going to have to show for it. 
otherwise it would all go to the house. And I'd rather see it in the person that I'm interacting with's hand than in the house's hand. <laughs> You're right about that, man. You're right about that. I believe in tipping, for sure. Yeah, yeah, karma. Yeah, man. It, it's, really, uh, it, it hasn't been but maybe four years that I believed in it, but it's changed my timeline. It's made it so much longer. Reincarnation has made it so that I'm not in, in such a hurry to do everything because I think it's just one and done here. I, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I like that. You know, uh, we, we've been brought up to believe that you got one shot at it here and you go to heaven or hell and you got to make it count. That's right. I believe you got to make it count, and I believe everything is counted, and that we're going to be judged and all that. But I, I think that it's just a matter of how fast are you going to get to where you're going to be. Level. You know, do you have to come back a thought ten thousand times to get it right, or can you get it right in a few in a few times because you did the right thing and you worked hard? I think that's. I think this is the worst it gets. I think Earth is like boot camp for the soul. You got an eternal soul. That's in this heaven next So world, we're, we're talking Buddhism no here, pain. right? Uh, kind of a, a mix of, of Buddhism and Hinduism. I'd say more on the Hinduism if you had to throw it into a box. Yeah. It's not in a box, but uh, I believe that, um, you know, those people come back here in order to hone their skills and to chisel their souls and, and steal it up and then... You know, they are shooting for enlightenment, but you get a break in between, and you get to go and enjoy that bliss and no pain. I mean, we got these bodies. We know we don't have the hard drive to be able to learn all the subjects in the world or to be really an expert at more than a couple things in this 80 years we get. That's a ripoff, man. If this was the only shot we had at it, I mean, oh, I can throw a basketball in a hoop. And there, I'm done. <laughs> Even Michael Jordan, he did a great thing. You know, he's famous, but all he did was throw a ball in a hoop. I mean, you could have 10,000 more lifetimes and pick 10,000 more subjects and still have not mastered everything. 80 years ain't nothing, man. I'll tell you There's that. There's got to be more to it. I, yeah, man. I, okay. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll tell you this, though, man. It's, uh, I mean, it, go, it goes back to just life in and of itself is... Uh, Man, when I've traveled, and you've traveled more than I have, is um, when I see the way that I get to live my life, and when I travel, and I get to see the pe the way that other people are living their lives, I hope so. You know what I mean? Because although they're not so captivated by technology, I mean, everybody talks about the social dilemma on Netflix and how social media and the internet is just like really ruined people's lives as far as being able to interact in public is, you know, you could go to these little towns in Guatemala and show a kid a Hot Wheels car and show them how to roll down a piece of tin and there's a certain amount of joy that it doesn't seem to exist here in America anymore. It's almost like... I think it's about the human interaction and if you have technology to interact with, over, great. However you can connect with a kid or a person. But it's got to be 3D, real-life, physical items and emotion from a body to a body because that's the only time you can exchange energy. Hey, by the way, we're about to get a meteor shower at 10 o'clock tonight. Did you know that? Did not know that. You got clear skies yeah, where so you are. We're cloudy. Sure do. Yeah, it's been cloudy and rainy all day, but right now we got clear skies. So I don't know. What time is it? At the same time, we're at 
So in an hour and a half, it's going to peak. Mm-hmm. So we've got a meteor shower coming. You better step out and look at that because I we'll guarantee... Do. I got a hell of a deck and I live in a you. small town, so the sky is bright. <laughs> Right you you know you know what that's about though you're out in Colorado you know about a night sky. Yeah, I, I moved way off the grid, man. I'm in the mountains. I found this uh, Catholic church for forty five grand. I mean, I paid more for my truck than I did for my property, but it's it came with its own graveyard. Cool. It came with uh, well rights, which may or may not have panned out, but we did sink a well into it and it and it hit water. So now I got well water. I got. Solar we just put in during the pandemic here because I had nothing else to do and a little off the grid change. So now I got it all off the grid. It's an A-frame mahogany wood, beautiful, gorgeous, like apocalyptic structure. And uh, I just—it's the fun factory, man. I got a basketball hoop in my living room. I got the pulpit. I smoke weed at the pulpit. You know, uh, I got—I got three confession booths, fully operational. Oh. It's good times and great oldies, my friend. I'm telling you what, I need to. I might need to come up there and make a confession. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, let me ask you this about the graveyard. Um, are you familiar with the phrase "foxfire"? Uh. Uh-uh. Okay, so you know, That's like a search engine, isn't it? <laughs> it it is that. It is no, that. It's Firefox. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Either way, I'll accept it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, I know what you mean, <laughs> but um, out in graveyards, so uh, back in the day, man, we would go, uh, air quote, coon hunting, end air quote, and all it would be is like we would go turn our dogs loose, and we had this like uh, gas mask, and we would just smoke it out, right? The dog. No, no, we wouldn't smoke the dogs out, but we would smoke ourselves oh, I out. I smoked the dog out one time, we had this dog bogey. And we, we had a gas mask for him. But anyway, that's another conversation. <laughs> but uh, we, we would end up, like, just stoned and, you know, parked at these graveyards. And you every now and then, what it is is these, uh, our dead bodies, you know, they put off gases. And eventually they mm-hmm. creep up out of the earth. And mm-hmm. it's highly flammable. I think it's it's methane or it's methane. Um, and so uh, I think it, it actually it's it's in your farts, I think. Mm-hmm. But when it, before. when it when yeah, yeah when it comes up out of the ground if everything is just right it'll make just like when it finally escapes and hit oxygen it'll form like a little it like picture a hot air balloon a flame sure a little torch yeah a little t- yeah just and just for a brief instant and that is the best and sure. we we call it a fox fire and you imagine so just being you out go there to the grave with a Bunsen burner. And just wave it around, or what? What, what was the process? No, you, we were literally just sitting outside in our trucks, facing the graveyard. Like the uh-huh. human human interaction didn't have to happen; it happened naturally. Oh, so it was just like you had these these like uh, morgue farts blowing blowing all over the graveyard by themselves. Yeah, but. It doesn't happen all the time. It's just like every now and then. So it's like a shooting star. Yes. Kind of I was you. You mentioned a graveyard, and I was like, I wonder if he yeah. ever just sit out on the deck and watch well, the graveyard. I'll tell you what, man, I have I have a little like uh, flat roof on one end where there's a little addition where there's a little kitchen, and I watch it hangs over the graveyard and the western sky, so I get to watch my sunsets from there. And I've seen 
probably 30 shooting stars from there, and I've never seen a fox fire. So there you have it. Like, I don't know. It might be a fresh grave thing. I don't know. I don't know how young. I don't, like, I don't so know. So you've seen one for sure. It's not a wives' tale? I'm not saying wives' tale. I'm saying high tale. You've seen it? I was high. You've yes. You've seen one. I was high, yes. I've seen them. <laughs> okay. So you've seen them high. Well, that's cool. I mean, I don't, I mean like it might be It might be the same. It might. It's not like you're out of your mind. I mean, it might be the same as seeing a UFO. Hmm, that's legit, though. UFOs have come to be pretty believable these days with with uh, camera phones and what have you. I'm pretty convinced there's UFOs, man. And that's a conversation right there. I mean, it's it's turn on the radio, man. There's other people already done that. We got a niche in another category because UFOs are overdone. Holy shit. There's a lot of UFOs. The technology is coming along on planet Earth here for the public to be able to see it. But it's been around a long time. And God only knows if it came from another planet or if it came from us. But either way, the technology is for sure out there and been around for a while. Yeah. Well, man, let me ask you this. I want to go here with you for a second. All right. Is, uh, man, tell me about surfing and how you got into it. Okay. So I went to California for the Orange County Fair to sell a product that was a kitchen gadget. I was working for an old Jewish lady and uh, just doing doing my shift every day. It was a 12-hour day, and you'd have a couple people. So one guy would do six hours, and the other would do six hours. So I'd do whatever for six hours. So I'd go and... Uh, work. So I went to the gym. Obviously, I was I was into that. So I'd go to the 24-hour fitness there in Newport Beach, and then I stumbled on Huntington Beach, which was a pretty big touristy thing. It's like Surf City, USA, and I'd never been to the ocean, much less a surf spot. And I sat on that beach and I saw people surfing, and immediately I was like, "Okay, this appeals to me. I want that's my shit." Why? Wow. And the things that appeal to you in this life are not by accident. Quote me on that. Because you should follow the things that appeal to you. Those are the things you're supposed to do. Those are the talents and the passions that we're blessed with. And so when you, like when you see that green light flash, you need to chase that with all your heart. And I couldn't help it. So I got me a little $70 Craigslist board, and it was a way more advanced, tiny board than I should have gotten, and I fought it for a year. But every morning, I'd wake up, I'd go to the gym, and then I'd go surfing. And after 30 days of that, uh, I was hooked. Hooked. And I've never been super good at it. I mean, I'm a skateboarder, snowboarder, have been all my life. But uh, surfing has always been very scary dangerous and at the end of the day didn't really get any injuries so i get to have the story and the feeling of exhilaration without the injuries like a lot of sports where you know like snowboarding if you do something scary the consequences are real like it ain't water it's ice you know that will injure you so surfing is something i feel like i can do into my old age even if i'm just longboarding and taking it easy always the surf spots are 
cheap and beautiful and perfect weather and beautiful women and just fun life and and so i've i moved there to huntington beach as soon as i saw it i sat there and i said as soon as i can afford this i'm moving here that's my goal so that was when i was maybe 24 20 whatever 23 and by the time i was 32 i could afford it i had started my own business and had some money so i moved out and I got myself an apartment, top story of a two, but like a bi-level. My garage was under me, and then there was, it was like a, a duplex, so somebody was on the other side. But Huntington Beach, lived there for a couple of years, and I put on, Cra- put on Craigslist this little ad that said, uh, you know, anybody who sucks at surfing and wants to learn, like I'm going to put a little sign on the beach that says rookies, and y'all can come and surf with me if you want, and we can learn together. So I went out every day plunged my sign in and got myself a little California girl and we had like three years of good sex, good fun traveled the country and and she was a typical California girl super just gorgeous athletic fun, emotional you know the, you know the hot crazy scale? oh yeah so she was uh, 100% hot and 100% crazy. The unicorn. And so, yeah, <laughs> jealous, um, insecure, the whole bit. So ended up after a few years, um, she really convinced me that being single is something that I can enjoy and not have to be in a relationship. So now I'm just kind of really enjoying my freedom. It's been five or six years. She's had a marriage and a kid and just like every other one of my exes they're all married up houses kids and i don't think you have to really conform to that that structure just because a lot of people are doing it i think i'm one of those people that's going to end up just you know cruising through life i might end up with a partner someday but i don't know man uh i, I married when i was younger and it didn't work out i feel like i failed at that and yeah why try it again there's no other paths in life yeah dude uh we we align right there i i can't argue with one word from that yeah i feel the same way yeah yeah Yeah. it was a quick like okay this ain't working yeah i can't be responsible it it was crazy you know it was uh you know after the dust settled i realized i'm actually happier you know yeah but you gotta let that dust settle because there's a lot of dust yeah there's a lot of dust yeah but if you can get through that sandstorm, once you can see the horizon, it's beautiful. Oh, it really, you, it really is. It really is, man. And it's really freed me up to, uh, you know, traveling. And I mean, because I put this podcast on the road, and um, I mean, I should have brought the podcast stuff to Corinth with us then. But all you need is a microphone and a and a internet signal, right? Well, I, I got a whole setup. I got a computer and an interface that I use, but I'm, I'm about to order oh, that, like that's like one square foot in your yeah. in your truck that yeah. you just don't have because you got to have the double, the, the double grill top, whip to do. <laughs> you guys are counting the square inch in that in that joint, huh? Yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm looking at a forty foot. RV thing, and uh, wasn't it Andy? You know, Andy, I think he said he's into like airstreams. Didn't he get an airstream? Ashtree? No, Dave, Dave, Dave. Oh. He, uh, he got an airstream, right? Uh, 
uh, he bought an Airstream online, and it was just one of them Craigslist deals. He's going to soup it up, but it's just kind of uh, janky, and the guy's fixing it up so we can drag it home. But, yeah, he... And for those of you who are listening, Dave is, is a guy in my industry. I've been bringing along and helping him start his business, and manufacture his own product. I took him from salesman, where I was at when I started, to rocking out, making more sales than I am now. So we kind of travel together a lot, um, and we're building a pretty solid friendship. And, and his business is coming along. My business is rocking solid as ever, and just joining on expenses. It's nice to have a partner on the road, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like hanging out at that point. It's almost like making money while hanging out with your buddy. Yeah, and we motivate each other, and we're competitive, both of us, so... And I imagine so, be, uh, man, because, I mean, that was the highlight. That's what, I mean, everybody talked about, like, other vendors when they came to us, is, like, you definitely have, like, the coolest and weirdest setup, but those guys in there are the best sellers. Yeah, we try to be, uh, I, I struggle with being too weird so uh, and, and fitting in. Those two opposites work in, in different situations, and sometimes they don't. It's like sometimes I try to fit in and wear jeans and a, and a flannel, and then the people are, are pass you by because they want to see something different. They want a hook. Yeah. And then other times you got a real big hook, and you're super weird, but then you're too weird and sensational, so they don't trust you, and they'll watch the show, but they won't buy. So it's, there's some balance there. That really you need is. A hook to get them in, but once they're in, you need to be the boy next door, super, super normal, trustworthy, local, whatever it happens to be. Uh, business owner, give them a story, appeal to their emotions. So you know, get them in with the weirdness, and then sell them with the normal normalcy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep, that, that's that's the go. That's the pitch. I hired a bodybuilder one time, and he had a real good hook because people wanted to see his body, so they come up. But he was a really bad pitch man. He had a he couldn't he couldn't close him. He had no personality. Uh, he was a nice guy, but he wasn't a salesman. And then you know this gay guy I hired is a friend of my girlfriend, and he was super funny and flamboyant and gay as hell. Yeah, super gregarious. And I was like, you'd be great on the box. So I, you know, I. I Put him up, and, and he'd get people in once again with his with his hook was really strong, but then he was not he was so flamboyant and fake that, that you know they didn't take him seriously or his product. Yeah. So there's got to be some balance there, and that's what I go into with my blog is all of these nuances in the pitch industry and in the trade show industry, whether you're selling a, sell, a service or a product. I have been doing this 15 years and I have hundreds of hours of video that I've analyzed and just experienced selling different products at different price points. And I've discovered a lot of little tells that people do without knowing it that pretty much you can tell within a couple seconds if someone is interested and they are a potential buyer or not. And that way you can weed out the people who are not so that by the time you're done with your pitch, whether it's a couple minutes or whatever it is, the person in front is the person that you know is going to buy, and they're jonesing to buy it. And then other people follow, like Lemmings, and if they see money out, whether it's cash or card and being exchanged, immediately you skip the whole first process of establishing rapport 
because they trust you because they see other people buying it. Yeah. So they know that they trusted you enough to buy it. So they automatically already trust you. They just want to see the product. So you can pitch without any reservations. And it's easy because you already have that trust. Hence, so that's the role. Hence the clear so bags, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the clear bags, 22 cents for a plastic bag is the best investment I ever made for my advertising budget. It's like people are already buying it, dude. So I might have worked hard the first day to really get those, you know, in the morning, the first couple hours, you, you work real hard to knock out those sales and you have to build rapport with every customer. But then once your product is walking around and people see, they come up to you asking, what is that? I've seen a lot of people buying it and they already trust you. They got the report. And yes. at that point, they just, they want a good thing. They want to just know that they're getting a good deal. And they don't even have to see usually half the pitch. And they're already like, okay, shut up, give it to me. Give me one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. So the pitch industry is so much different than normal sales because it's not um, a logical decision that they're making based on research. It's an emotional decision. And if you can, like I said, be that chameleon and make them comfortable in 30 seconds, they'll give you 20 bucks. Just for being cool, just for giving them a good feeling. That's it. And if they get a cool product, that's a bonus. But you created an energy, and your ten foot bubble, or however big it is, depending on how much noise there is in the venue, you control that with your energy, with your power. Mm -hmm. If your power is greater than the than the energy around you, then you can pull them into your energy, color, or or feeling. Now, if somebody else's power is greater than yours and you feel that coming on, then you conform to theirs. So this is a constant, you know, re-leveling and reassessing on a second-by-second -second basis. Who's in front of you? What are they feeling? How do they want to be treated? What do they need? Yeah. So that's that's what we do, and that's what the that's the just it. You know, it was uh, you know the uh, the chicks that were across the sidewalk from us on that front lawn. They weren't even they weren't even selling anything. They were just trying to get word out about what they were about to do. What were they about to do? Um, I think they they have a boutique in town, and um, the mother uh, she has like a real estate firm, and like they do a lot of rental mm -hmm. properties. So they were just chatting people down, getting their word out. That's it. And so and what... For 125 bucks, that's worth it. Right. And so um, our big game is, and like how I draw people in is like, um, if if it's me and Moonsun, is I'll throw the reel, and when I get them reeled in, he'll make the sale. He'll He's the closer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that and, and I mean, that I know a lot of people that hire a closer and that's just their job. No, no, no. It's it's his deal. Like I'm I'm the hired opener. Gotcha. So you're doing you get him in. Yeah. Be weird, and then he's the the normalcy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great combo. And um, you know, they were working with us because like I would start hollering like across the way, over there by their boot. Hey, man. Nice face jacket. And, <laughs> and you know, the guy's just, what? Yeah. And he's like, he meant he likes your beard. And uh, 
you can just see his eyes light up and he just walks over and you know Munson gets up he gets ready and then I tell another joke I make everybody laugh and by this time we got a crowd and then I let him do his thing and that is probably the the biggest post uh, uh, and, and the biggest thing in our type of sales is humor if you can make them laugh even just one little crack to let them know that you know that they know that y'all are the same. You yeah. know, if you could laugh about something that's insinuated or just whatever joke it is, that's that's the key because a serious pitch the whole way through may very well logically make sense and it makes sense for them to give you that money. But it don't but connect. If they don't have that love and feeling. Yeah. Uh huh. And music. Oh man, I usually play disco. If I have. We bring a guitar it, sometimes. We didn't bring a guitar. Yeah, that's a good hook too. That's a good hook. We didn't, we didn't bring a guitar this guitar time though. But yeah, we'll get up there and like if we can't get people to us, I mean, we'll give a reason. You know? Yeah, there's a reason why Walmart's got its own radio station. When you're in there, you, you know they got the big speakers in the front now that are busting out just like fun shopping music. You ever, you ever go to Walmart and hear that shit? Just I was at Walmart today and they were doing it. They're busting out some, like, 90s hip-hop, like, some fun stuff, and you're just like, yeah, I'm about to buy me some apples. Yeah. Yeah. I like music. I mean, that's you got to incorporate as many of the senses as you can. So I usually will tell them, hey, come, you know, give it a push to try it, feel the quality of it, you know, throughout my pitch, I'll have them touch it. And with the coronavirus, it's been hard because people don't want to touch it. So I, I got to make a joke, and I say... Uh, here, come, come, give it a try. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me get, the, let me get the, uh, let me get the, let me get the virus off it real quick. And oh yeah. Wipe it off in yeah. front of them, and then I hand it to them, so they laugh, and then they take it. But otherwise, if I just say, hey, here, come, give it a try, like right away, they're yeah. not coming up to try it because one, psychologically, people just won't because they feel obligated as soon as they come in. So you don't want to do that right away. You got yeah. to do that like after you've gotten them in and, and they feel a little comfortable. A lot of people make that mistake is they say, hey, come try it. Come sit down and take a, you know, whatever it is, these massagers or whatever it is. Like if someone gives you their time and they stop and deviate and walk towards you and you put any kind of talking or acting or sales effort in, they feel obligated to give you money for that. They do. And they know that, so that's why it's hard to stop people. That's it. So I always try to stop people on, and, and instead of stopping them, I try to have them swing in. So I get them about 10 feet earlier than most people do. That's why I, I place my booths away from other vendors so I can busy like a bartender, but then just accidentally kind of uh, pop my pop up and, oh, hey, uh, check this out. And, and I don't ask them a question. I never ask people a question. I say a statement. I got this thing I'm going to show you and blah, whatever it is, but I assumptively just do it and make them feel like an asshole if they don't watch it because this is the thing. This is what's happening, and this is what, what I'm doing. No, do you want to see this? Because immediately they say no because they don't want to be obligated. The obligation is the thing that I'm trying to avoid. I'm like, 10-second demonstration. Even if you don't like it, it's just fun to see. Consider it a commercial in your day. Like, whatever. Just make it funny, self-deprecating humor, whatever it is, so they don't feel the pressure. Yeah. And then once they're in your web, you can put as much pressure as you want on them because you already got them in there. You got their undivided attention. 
Yeah. Whatever your clothing technique is, you put it on them. Everybody's got their thing. Everybody's got a different physical body, a different voice, and a different style. If I was a big fat person with a with a super high funny voice, I would use that to my advantage. Right. If I was a super hot chick with big tits, I would use that to my advantage. Like everybody's got a hook built in. Right. You know. Right. Yeah, man. I mean, just oh man, I could go on for days about like we we had this mall. Uh, for two months of last year for November and December. And a lot of people from Corinth remembered us doing it. But we tried to bring that same festival energy energy to the mall. Did and you bring your Volkswagen in the mall? <laughs> no, no, but like the weirdness and like the cat calling. We call it beard calling. Yeah, yeah. And dude, it, it was all putting, and then we had to like figure out, a, you know, it was like, well, we got to re-engage. The whole atmosphere had changed. It's because, yeah. like... Sometimes you got to reset and just go back to the basics. Yeah. Remember, your energy is the one you're trying to infiltrate. You don't want to be conforming to others' energy too much. And sometimes the environment around you is so powerful that you're already starting, like, way below even. And you have something to overcome. That's the mall. Having... That's the mall. Yeah. We, we... yeah. Whether it's Whether it's some like weirdo neighbor that's got something distracting or something you have to overcome loud music or whatever it is that's distracting yeah you know you could have a 3d projector booth next to you like i had one time they were shooting a projection onto the floor in the aisle and everybody was coming up and standing in it because it was touch screen but it was visual i was screwed man my little kitchen gadget was nothing compared to their fucking show oh yeah so you gotta analyze and adapt yeah like you said well, man, let me ask you this. Is uh, Tell me about the best wave you've ever caught. Where was it at? Uh, last year, I was in Bali, which is the surfing mecca of planet Earth. And I was wanting to go to the Philippines for a week during my month in Bali. So this was December, late December, probably 20th. And I planned on being back in Bali for the New Year. So I had a flight booked a couple days before New Year, whatever. So I hopped on a plane out to Manila, Mm -hmm. land in Manila, and then I just wanted to go to the best surf place. And it was between Boracay, which is the party, super party place, also surf spot, but really known for the partying. And then another place called Chargal, which was Epic Waves. They have, like, this this awesome Cloud9 wave and a couple other waves. But they're a really remote island, very peaceful, very meditative. So I opted for the meditative one. And I went to Chargal, this remote island. I had to take a plane ride from Manila to Cebu City, which is a ghetto-ass island. But they have a boat that goes out to Chargal and so that's the only way to get there they don't they don't fly so I get to Cebu City and I'm thinking man I want an adventure this stuff is too easy so I turned off my phone and or I didn't buy a sim card whatever the thing that would cripple me was in the airport I think they were selling sim cards and I was like nah screw that I'm just gonna just wing it I know what the name of my hostel is and I'll just figure it out. So I hop in one of these little collectivo deals, and a jeepney. They call them jeepneys in the Philippines, and it's basically like a forty-year-old 
school bus decorated with every piece of shit you could find to glue on it, like <laughs> horns and chromed out weird, like, you know, like garden gates and just everyone has a theme and they're all named and personalized and oh, spewing yeah. out huge puffs of black diesel smoke and people are hopping in and out and, and it's not really, you, you got to be able to know which one's going where and be local in order to ride them, but they're like two cents, you know, they basically pay you to ride these things and there's 55 people in it, you know, it's like jammed in there. So I'm at the airport and there's the taxi, which I could have paid for. Or the jeepney. And I didn't know where the jeepney was going. I was like, eh, fuck it. I just want to have a little adventure. Let's see what's up. So I'm in the back of this thing. And it ends up in traffic jam going the wrong way. I don't know what the fuck. So finally, and, and so I get in the thing, and I'm the only white person in there. And everybody's eyeing me. And Filipinos speak English. Mm-hmm. They all speak English. But none of them would speak English to me. And so I knew that they didn't like me and they didn't want me in there. And I got my big backpack on and my America scarf that I always wear, American flag. So after 15 minutes of that, I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, I got to get the hell out of here. We're not going anywhere. I'm just looking at these people. So I pay them their 25 cents, hop out, and I'm on the middle of the street in the dark. And it's raining in Cebu City, Philippines. I got no cell phone. And I kind of knew the general direction. I knew I had to go up this bridge, and I saw the bridge, and I walked towards it. And the thing's like a two-mile bridge, and it's an arc bridge, so the first mile is uphill. Oh, yeah. I was like, well, fuck it. So the traffic jam was all over the bridge, so I end up walking this bridge, and my steps are twice as big as every Filipino. So I'm cruising by these people. Everybody's looking at me like, what the hell is this weirdo doing? (laughs) It gets a little sweaty, get to the crest, take a break walk down and then on the other side i see why there's a traffic jam it's two feet of water flood flash flood so cars are stopped everybody's honking like the streets are flowing and the sidewalks are buried the only things that are outside of the water are these business fronts where all these like kids and students and people pedestrians that would be on this main street are standing and watching and i'm like well i gotta get to my hostel it's late i'm tired so i'll whatever so i just walked my ass through this two foot deep water in the street and i'm just plugging away against the current up this main street that's got just cars stopped on the sides and i'm the only one walking and people are hooting and hollering and who's the white guy just like whatever and the kids and begging for money and started getting a little more ghetto and a little more shitty a little more poor and i'm like son of a bitch this this is getting a little bit a little bit i don't know Got that bad feeling, you know, a little tired and not as much in the adventure anymore. And then uh, I, I kept going towards my direction. And finally, finally, after like a couple miles and I'm just at my wit's end, some guy picks me up. And after another hour of miscommunicating, because he doesn't speak very good English, we finally get to my hostel. And so... My hostel is like home. Thank God they give me a drink and it's a nice little atmosphere. And I go upstairs and I, holy shit, relax, take a shower, go up to this uh, jacuzzi party area on the rooftop, and I'm getting directions on how to get to this surf mecca. Yeah. And uh, this guy Max, this German guy, uh, convinces me to take a detour. So I go to Bohol, another island, the next day. And then come back to Cebu City just to do a little one of the seven wonders of the world. Go see these these uh, symmetrical mounds. 
they're like tiny mountains and there's a thousand of them and they're all exactly the same and in this one island so i went and saw that came back and then i got the boat to chargal where the biggest waves on earth are so i asked on the plane this dude i was all the way in the in the latrine seat and there was a surfer-looking dude across from me in the other latrine seat, and we had our own row. So I was like, hey, man, what do you, what do you know? And what, you know any spots? And he was really, like, a typical surfer, like, really douchey, and, like, he's too cool for school, and, and he thinks I'm a kook, and he thinks I suck, and, and, like, I'm just a tourist, and I could tell his attitude. So he told me, like, one wave, and and then I, he went back to his thing, and I was like, okay. Um, but the recommendation that he gave me ended up being the best wave I ever hit. So I'm on the island, and I go to get a rental board, and it's like $2, you know, and an instructor, another 6 bucks. So they tell me, this is your instructor, and the guy doesn't speak English. So we kind of universal body language. He gets me aboard, and we hop on the scooter and get out to the launch area, and he's like, it's a little late for that wave. Why don't we go to this other wave? And I was like, well, I'm kind of intermediate. I'm not a pro, just so you know, but I can't really 100% communicate it to him. So he's just like, yeah, yeah, it's all good. I'll take care of you. So we hop on a boat. We wade out into the water about waist high with our surfboards. We get into this little canoe with a, with a motor, and uh, it has two stabilizing buoys on either side so it doesn't tip. And they th- he throws our surfboards into the net, and my instructor is this hundred pound dripping wet, good looking dude, ripped, you know, typical island guy, really, really haughty, and not asking my name, not bothering. He's just smoking a cigarette, whatever. And I'm being manly and cool, so I'm like, all right, fine, you know. So I'm looking and doing my thing, and then he's doing his thing, talking to the boat driver. We get out to this place in the middle of the ocean where. There's a wave that just comes up because of a formation underneath the water, uh-huh. and it just shoots out of nowhere. But you get two hours in there, and you, there's no beach, there's no safety, there's just, like, drop you off, you surf. If you die, like, you're just another person that doesn't catch their flight home. <laughs> so <laughs> immediately upon landing, you know, I'm trying to get my shirt on my board shirt and, and my surfing shirt so I don't get a board rash and he's already in the water and he paddled all the way to the wave and I was just hopping in and I didn't really know it that well so I got caught in this lip that I didn't realize was powerful like that and it just pulled me through the washing machine it took me a solid half hour to even get back to him where we could start and I was already toasted just worn out and this wave was the size of Trump Tower. It would start huge and wow. just big and mean. And then towards the end of it is where people could even fathom catching it. And however deep you went in to catch your wave was how good you were. So the locals would catch it more inside and the, the beginners would start way outside. I was just on the way outside where it could pull you in if you don't know how to duck dive well. Mm-hmm. Which on a, a, a wave that size, I don't know how to duck dive that well. Anyway, so I'm tired as hell and, and I couldn't tell the difference between go and no. Because he kept saying it, but I couldn't. And so I thought he said go and I went again and I missed it. And he was actually saying no. And so it was another half hour. And for me to, you know, get back and paddle against these waves, I got put through the laundry. I'm super tired and scared and just beat down and frustrated. And 
uh, it was just really, really bad. And then he's, you know, I, I got a minute to catch my breath. And then this chick comes up and she's in a bikini and she weighs 100 pounds or whatever the hell. And she just whips this wave and crushes it. I'm like, fuck that. If she can do it, I can do it. And so he's like, go. And I hit one and I jumped up and wobbled my knees and I just dropped from the top of this wave to the bottom and I hung on and I rode for probably another five or six seconds <laughs> this monster beast of a wave and then I just pulled off back and to the left over the, the back of the wave so that I didn't go through the laundry for a third time because I was pretty toast at that point Right. but that I would say was the best wave I ever caught hell of a story man it's not over uh, so after this session, the sun's going down and I'm stubborn. I want to catch another one. So I'm the last one there and our boat's like, we got to go. Your time's up. So we hop in the boat and halfway back, the thing starts puttering and I see these guys speaking in their language and I can't understand what they're saying, but I think that the boat's dying. And so they decide in my interpretation to go to another place where it would be easy for us to paddle in if the boat did die. So we end up making it, but by the skin of our teeth and in a place where we didn't start out at, and I don't speak these guys' language, and we end up in this shitty little, like, uh, shanty town just built out of tin shit and extra pieces of wood and just, like, over a dock. Mm-hmm. Really ghetto, like, tons of Filipinos just in, like, shitty half-dressed and dirty and smoking cigarettes and all talking at the same time, and I'm a little uncomfortable, and my driver and my surf instructor both disappeared, and I'm like, fuck, what do I do? Yeah. So I just bomb a cigarette and just kind of smoke a cigarette because that's something socially I can do that makes me blend in And if I'm in a situation like that. And then they find me again, and they're like, okay, hop on. So they sandwich me on the scooter, and there's three of us on the scooter, and to get back to the mainland, it was a dock as wide as a truck with maybe three or four two-by-fours in between joists that were not nailed in. So you're on these two-by-fours with 20 feet fall into the water below you on a motorized scooter with three people going one mile an hour wobbling, laughing, talking, smoking. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to fucking die. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then he said something in Spanish. And I was like, habla espanol? And he was like, sí, way. And I was like, what the fuck? This, and then so we start talking and getting along. And we, and, and the whole, and he ended up being my instructor for the next rest of the time. But I could speak Spanish and he could speak Spanish. And it ended up being amazing. Uh, so, you know, we started talking about pool and billiards and we ended up playing together that night and he introduced me to a whole bunch of people and got me really into the local experience that I wanted, but it took that to get to it. I had to go through something Yeah. through a traumatic experience where I had to trust someone. And once you go through something with somebody, then you can, you can build that trust in a relationship and that's what I try to do is just get myself into as much shit as possible so that I can bond with people around around planet earth and have a story to tell hell yeah and you've told a hell of a story tonight that's <laughs> the best wave I ever caught that's what's up man well dude uh, have you ever served? huh have you ever served? I have not man I, 
I won't too. I'll tell you this okay. is. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, man. Um, I will. Uh, I'll teach you how to surf if you'd like. I ain't gonna turn you down on this. Okay. Where is your range of travel? I mean, are you mostly local here? Or do you kind of go all around the U.S.? Uh, mainly southeast. I've. I don't. I, I guess what the okay. East Coast would be better than the Gulf Coast as far as waves, right? What about uh, San Diego? Is that something you might be interested in? I could do that. Because I've been hankering for a trip to California lately, and I got a place for us to stay in in San Diego, which is a fancy place. But if you got a place to stay, they got great waves, you know, beautiful women, and and sunshine every day. So maybe we should uh, maybe we should get down on that. But we'll, we'll chat about that here in, in a while. For sure, man. I'm definitely down for that. Definitely down. That'd be dope. Well, man, I. Yeah. Um, I'd love to have you back on. I don't want to keep you for too much more. It's been an hour. Yeah, man. Uh, I I'd, I'd appreciate appreciate your uh, conversationality. And like I said, it's definitely something different for me. I, I write a lot and, and keep a lot of videos and journal, but I don't know what to do with it all. Yeah. So it's uh, it's nice to tell a story or two from, from time to time. So definitely uh, l- love to be back on your show whenever you'd like, man. Cool, man. Well, RJ... Thank you so much, man. We're, we're out of here. Cheers. Hi. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to Porch Talk. If you haven't done so already, I would ask that you would rate and review the show on whatever podcast app it is that you listen to on. It helps as far as getting the word out. It makes it more searchable and findable. Share it on your social media. Tell a friend. Apart from you, uh, that's literally all I have. I can only do so much. Thank you in advance. The opening song that you heard was Man Downtown by Taylor Hollinsworth off his latest album, Country Visions. Now, I got a website, www.porch-talk.net, we're old school, .net. Check us out there, find us, you can contact us there, find us on social media, we're on everything, write us, let us know how we're doing. Gonna walk it out right now with modern convenience so so modern peace out
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.